Good morning, One Life. It is lovely to see you all here today. Um, and can I just say, I know that Jesus loves me because he sends clouds back. <laughs> and maybe you know Jesus loves you because he sends the sun. Um, so we, anyway, how allure for the break in the heat. Um, we're in the, near the end of our series in John. Uh, and I'm not going to lie, this, this text kicked me in the teeth this week in the gentlest way possible, um, as, as we'll show up. But um, let's pray and get going. God, thank you for this time that we're gathered. Thank you for your word. Um, thank you for whatever it is that you have today. Um, there's a lot of room. I pray that our hearts would be ready, our ears would be ready to hear what you are saying to each of us. Um, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your love. In your name we pray, amen. So this week, our text is John 15, verses 1 through 17, and it's smack between the two chapters that Dan preached from last Sunday. He was in John 14 and John 16 talking about um, the Holy Spirit coming, Jesus promising the Holy Spirit, and um, these words that were spoken into a really volatile context. Um, they weren't like hippy-dippy, nice-sounding stuff. It was, it was meaty, like um, counter-narrative to what they were seeing in their culture. And so this John 15 is smack in the middle of that, and it's the heart of Jesus' message um, to his people. And John, um, we've, we've heard this over and over, right, that John wrote this at the end of his life, that he had a lot more time to prepare what he was going to say, and so the, the whole gospel of John is kind of like geared toward a specific message. Um, the line that came to mind this morning was, he's playing chess, not checkers. Um, <laughs> And, and I had to look up where that came from, because I heard that from Lin-Manuel Miranda, who wrote Hamilton. I could talk about this for a long time. Um, but it turns out it's also in the movie Training Day, and maybe that's where it started. Like, uh, rappers use it all the time. I'm playing chess, not checkers. Um, but you get that image. Like, John is doing a thing in the way he wrote his gospel. And we'll get to more of that here as well. Um, but to draw on a couple of the points that Dan made last week, that Jesus said he would send the Holy Spirit to us, the spirit of truth, the advocate. He's an advocate for Jesus to the world, not for our wants and needs. Dan mentioned a story about Bill Gates, that he, uh, he's one of the most prolific humanitarians, money-wise, and he said, when you have the resources you need, you can do that. That sentence caught me, because that'll show up this week. And he, he said another sentence that may, may have snuck by you, we need the advocate to speak to our hearts. So this is the entire context of John 15. It's the heart of what Jesus is asking us to do, asking us to be about, and it's how we'll be able to do it. It's the spirit in us is the undertext, the undercurrent through this. So let's read John 15, 1 through 7. Do I have control of that? 
Nope. Did somebody else? Boom. Thanks, Carl. John 15, 1 through 17. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine grower. He removes every branch in me that bears no fruit. Every branch that bears fruit, he prunes or cleans to make it bear more fruit. You have already been cleansed by the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me as I abide in you. Just as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who abide in me and I in them bear much fruit, because apart from me you can do nothing. Whoever does not abide in me is thrown away like a branch and withers. Such branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask for whatever you wish and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit and become my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. I have said these things to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. No one has greater love than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. I do not call you servants any longer, because the servant does not know what the master is doing. But I have called you friends, because I have made known to you everything that I have heard from my father. You did not choose me, but I chose you. And I appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last so that the Father will give you whatever you ask him in my name. I am giving you these commands so that you may love one another. I don't know about you, but this is a very familiar text to me. Uh, it's been one of my favorites since, I think, high school. Um, but I'd never thought of it in terms of this volatile context, that it's not just nice-sounding message of love, um, but it's meaty, it's hearty. Um, so the point, the heart, the commandment inside this text, inside the whole book of John, in fact, is verse 12. Love one another as I have loved you. So, thanks for coming to church. I mean, <laughs> that's, that should be all we need to cover. Um, Love one another as I have loved you. Got it. That sounds easy. Oh, wait, he's still talking. You mean there's more to this? So to give you some context, um, for me this past couple weeks, I've known I had this chapter coming up for my sermon since we, since we planned the John sermon series. And uh, I've read John 15 about once a week. And two weeks ago, I started reading it a couple more times, and this past week, I got a book to read ahead of time. I was like, I'm going to be on it. I love this chapter. I'm on it. Uh, maybe you've heard us mention before that we do a practice preach. We have this practice, this routine among the staff where the middle of the week before, we give a practice preach. We get our sermon ready, and we give it to Greg, Rich, Brian, myself, whoever can be there. And then we give feedback, and this was not clear, and this could use more time or space, or you could go in this direction. And that gives us a few more days to work on it, and that way none of us are usually scrambling on Saturday night for what are we saying Sunday morning. Um, 
So I knew Wednesday morning was coming, and on Tuesday, I was like, that's funny. I don't really have a sermon yet (laughs) for all the work I've done (laughs) sitting with this text, letting God speak to me. Um, Usually some spark shows up, some like, this is the heart of it. This is the interesting thing. This is the, here you go, chew on that for a while, look this thing up. Um, And it didn't. It didn't. I was like, that's nice, the whole time, that's nice. I listened to Dan's sermon last Sunday, and I was like, oh, that has to do with where I'm going, but nothing ever went, like, grabbed me by the throat and said, this is where you need to run. So then I read it again, a little bit with a, okay, God, spirit, I'm doing my part. (laughs) (laughs) And then I heard the vine and branches language differently. Abide in me, abide in me. Kind of like wait for it. You don't get to like produce fruit by clinching and grappling and um, fruit just grows. And I wonder if the vine knows about it at the time. If it's like, oh, there it is, beforehand or after, or as hard as I might try, this text said it's not how it's going to work this time. So, I was looking for something spectacular, right? Something remarkable, a real stunner. But maybe the point of this text is the ordinary, unforced, unspectacular, unremarkable process of horticulture. Like, we joke about it. Uh, Like, watching paint dry, watching grass grow, um, watching water boil. We have these different sayings about that is not a thing I would choose to do. But that's the deal. And I didn't even like look up, like there, there are probably third graders in this building that know more about what happens in the process of horticulture than I do, because I didn't look it up. It didn't sound interesting. But there's something about the process of bearing fruit that happens in an un, almost unmeasurable way. That's why we put it on like, um, not slow motion, what's the opposite of slow motion? Time lapse. <laughs> You've all seen this, right, of a seed going like, oh, and we're like, yay, in three seconds, because it didn't take three weeks. (laughs) Something about the life of God, the life with God, can't be forced or coerced. There are unforced rhythms of grace. I want to read you, oh, well, that was dumb, uh, Matthew 11, 28 through 30 in the message is about, um, are you tired, burnt out on religion? Come to my, come to me, come rest in me and uh, experience my unforced rhythms of grace. And I have a picture of that somewhere. I went looking for uh, this phrase, unforced rhythms of grace. When did it come from? And I found this from an article on Fuller Youth Institute. Uh, somebody wrote an article called learning the unforced rhythms of grace, and here they had a picture of a vineyard, too perfect. So let's leave that up there for a bit. Are you tired? Come to me. Learn my unforced rhythms of grace. So in this text, John 15, one word shows up 15 times the Greek word meno, to reside, to remain. Here it's translated abide. 
can also be translated stay or endure or last. It's all throughout John 15, uh, 11 times in, this, in these seven verses. It's all throughout John's gospel, 40 times in 33 verses. It's all throughout First and Second John, 27 times in 20 verses. John's playing chess, not checkers. He's saying abide in, abide, abide, abide. Here's what I'm getting at, abide. Even throughout our series, this is what blew my mind. I looked up where some of these other occurrences are in John. John chapter 1, uh, when John's disciples are following Jesus, and he says, what do you want? And they say, where are you staying? That's the word. And he says, come and see. And so they go see where he is staying. In John chapter 6, uh, which I preached on a while back about uh, the difficult teaching, the eating my flesh and drinking my blood. Those who eat my flesh and drink my blood abide in me and I in them. It's food that endures for eternal life. When Lazarus was ill, who preached on Lazarus a while ago? Royal. When Lazarus was ill, Jesus heard the news and stayed for two days. Abide. Uh, I don't think we did John 12, but the message about unless a, a grain of wheat dies, it remains a grain of wheat. But if it falls and dies, then it becomes a harvest. Uh, John 14, which Dan was in last week. I am in the Father, and the Father is in me. He who dwells in me, that's the, it's there. It's, uh, again, in John 14, the spirit of truth who abides in you and will be with you. And Jesus said all these things while I am still with you. Abide, abide, abide. John is just hammering this thing home. It shows up again towards the end of John uh, when Christ is crucified and they don't want to leave bodies on the cross on the Sabbath. That's abide, leave them. And then the one that Greg will close our series with, it's in that text, but I'm not giving it away because he might not use it. And my girl Lydia, even going back to whenever we talked about Lydia who listened, Stories 2.0, the first Gentile convert, female businesswoman, she says, come and stay at my house, abide. It's all over uh, John's writing, our series. It's this little secret sneaker word. So I made this slide to show you where it shows up in these particular seven verses of this text. Abide in me as I abide in you. Just as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who abide in me and I in them bear much fruit. Because apart from me, you can do nothing. Whoever does not abide in me is thrown away like a branch and withers. Such branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask for whatever you wish and it will be done for you. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. And this can all be translated remain as well. Remain in me and I remain in you. Remain in the vine. Remain in my love. I remain in the Father's love. I appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. There is something permanent. There is something resolute. There's something um, that you can't mess with. Something deep and steady about this abide, remain idea. 
And if you think in terms of horticulture itself, uh, maybe you didn't know, I'm also a part-time gardener for another church, um, one of my side jobs. And can I get an amen about anybody who's ever tried to like uproot something that looks little? <laughs> and you're like, come on, you're shorter than my knee. And like, you're not coming with me right now. Um, <laughs> they are strong. <laughs> Vines are strong. Roots are mean <laughs> um, to people who want to mess with them. And, and, and at this uh, other location where I'm a gardener, uh, there's this one vine that grows on a branch, and I almost <laughs> cut it off to bring it here and just like <laughs> to go. I, I trimmed this like less than a month ago, <laughs> and it's like this long now. Um, but it's one of those that with the little tiny windies that like, so it, it's like, hello, chain link fence, you're my new best friend, and it will not extract from the chain link fence. And so this goes back to for me like, you don't like watch grass grow and you don't watch this thing work its little windies around a chain link fence. <laughs> but then you try to take it apart and you're like, you are sentient. <laughs> you're like, <laughs> how did you know to like grab this thing and become part of the fence? Um, it's not part of the fence, it's living the life of the, the vine that's coming out in the branches. <sighs> and the fact that it can't be forced insults our sensibilities. In 21st century America, we are driven by productivity and we measure success by outcomes, usually the, the kinds that we have single-handedly generated. Look what I made happen. Even in this half hour, look at this sermon I put together. <laughs> that, that very literally right now feels to me like a vine, like there might be one thing, but it's just offshoots everywhere. In my brain is the way I see all this stuff right now. We are driven. We're so motivated by productivity, and we think anything else doesn't count, especially the slow work of horticulture. <coughs> so as I tried to think about that and push real hard into the abide thing, like, let go, let go. It's either like uh, all the, you know, 21st century Western America, middle class, I got it. Or it's like, oh, hippie, like, oh, it'll just abide, and it'll come and go. The dude abides from um, Big Lebowski. <laughs> I tried to watch that clip and it, I couldn't do it. <laughs> Didn't make sense to me. But there's either this like, oh, just let it all flow over me and never try anything versus I will grab it by the throttle and wring its life out of it. There's something in the middle that Christ is calling us to. Um, this abide is not a passive inaction. This is not something that you can just coast along in. While it is more a thing to receive and rest in than it is a thing to wrangle, it is not purely hands-off. Jesus ties it and links it with action. That there is obedience asked of us. That it may be costly. This love that we have been immersed into, connected to, the love of the Father to the Son that showed up in, and Jesus obeyed the Father, also extends to us. This love comes to us, and we also obey. And it got Christ killed. And Christ says that. No one has greater love than this, than to lay down one's life for one's friends. It might get you killed. Keep my commandments. This is my commandment. Love one another 
and it might ask a lot more of you than what sounds comfortable right now. Henry Nowen has an article titled Moving from Solitude to Community to Ministry. And it's this profound little piece of work where he describes life as a wagon wheel and gives each of those three things uh, part of the wagon wheel. This, the hub of it would be solitude, where you are beloved by God, and the spokes being community, where you are connected, and the, the rim being ministry, where you are on the ground and uh, in the world and making connections. And he says, in this wagon wheel picture, if you're trying to run around the outside and do ministry and do service and produce fruit, you will wear out. But if you live at the center, at this hub of this wagon wheel, and, and he doesn't break it down this way, but I was thinking of it this morning, um, that, that solitude where you are beloved by God, you receive love, and then community where you are connected with others, you are both giving and receiving love. And in ministry, you're giving love without expecting it to receive it necessarily. You don't, you're not contingent on receiving. So it's like receiving first, so you can give and receive in mutuality so that you can give even if it doesn't come back to you. And it has to happen in that order, otherwise you burn yourself out running around the outside, around the outside. That's not love, that's not fruit. That will, that will kill you and it will do damage to others if you're not living from the hub of God's love, the vine being the source of your life. So in verse 14, even as he's saying, like, here's, here are the things you need to obey, and here, here's where I'm going. Um, verse 14, he says, you are my friends if you do what I command you. I do not call you servants any longer because the servant doesn't know what the master is doing, but I have called you friends because I've made known to you everything I've heard from the father. Uh, a little fun fact, the Quakers... That's a nickname for their chosen name was the Religious Society of Friends, which originally was the Friends of Jesus, which they took from this verse. We're not serving. We are friends. We, we take Christ at his word that we are on God's team doing God's work. We are friends of Jesus. And it gave me this, this image of, um, <laughs> gave me this image. One of the first times I spoke, in, spoke to a gathered, of, gathered, whatever you call it, chapel at Taylor when I was just graduated from college, um, I got this very clear image that God came up to me and was like, well, it was God in the metaphor, but it was like an older kid saying, like, I'm going to tell you a secret. And then it being in complete nonsense, like a language I did not know. <laughs> it was like, oh, one of the biggies is going to tell me a secret. Oh, yeah. So, like, unintelligible. And I thought, this is what it felt like. I got to just be part of the action be part of the bringing God's message, and yet I have no idea what it was. <laughs> uh, and, and the freedom, the release of, like, I didn't need to know. I, I did my part, and I didn't need to know. And I hear that here. It's like God leaning in and going, I'm going to let you in on our secret, secret, top secret mission. Are you ready? Love everybody. And on the one hand, you go, it's not hard. <laughs> and there's still part of me that goes, I don't, I don't get it. And, and like we've been saying, this whole series of the disciples being like, 
what? <laughs> and he doesn't mean that, right? Uh, what's he talking about? And <laughs> the Christ says it over and over. Love one another. Love one another. Abide in my love. Abide in my love. This is how it'll work. This is how it'll happen. You will, abiding in my love means listening to the Spirit. The Spirit will enable you to live this love out. This is how it'll work. Abide in my love and then you can obey me. It'll, it'll work. You won't be ringing out this like, drum it up yourself and trying to squeeze and produce fruit. So what is it to receive God's love? What is it to, to be formed in that way? To be in this vine and branches metaphor, to receive the love that gets passed out through you. Uh, it's, it's like any other thing that is cultivated and grown. Um, it, it's, it's pruned, it's shaped, it's, uh, it's formed, literally. So one of my favorite writers, uh, theologians, James K.A. Smith wrote a series of books, uh, Desiring the Kingdom, Imagining the Kingdom, and now You Are What You Love, which is his main premise is that um, we are desiring beings. We are loving, worshiping beings. We will love something. We will worship something. And we are being shaped by what's around us all the time. He gives this fantastic metaphor of going to a mall, how the mall is a liturgical experience shaping what you're supposed to want and how you're supposed to behave and what they're telling you to love. And the language he uses doesn't sound like he's describing a mall. It sounds like he's describing a church. <laughs> it's fascinating, but it's long and I didn't want to read it to you. So this book is a distillation of, of that premise. You are what you love. There are things that are shaping you. There are habits and routines that are feeding into you all day, every day. You're being formed all the time. And I realized this a couple months ago when I would wake up in the morning and reach first for my phone and check Facebook and Instagram and Twitter in that order and maybe remember to check the weather, which would have a lot more to do with the day than the other things, <laughs> if you think about it. Um, but I gave myself this like 10 minute window of not having to get out of bed yet, but telling myself I'm awake, but blazing my eyes out with this tiny screen and then doing the same thing before I went to bed. I couldn't go to sleep until I'd like checked Facebook and Instagram and Twitter one more time and then I would set it within arm's reach so that as soon as the alarm went off, I could pick it up and not have to get out of bed. And then I was like, this is starting to mess with me. This is starting to change me. Um, for better or worse. I, I knew more about uh, world events that were happening because they would hit Twitter before they hit anything else. Um, and then, anyway. But we're being formed all the time. You are what you love. So what is it that you love that shapes your routines? What is the water and the soil coming into your roots? Are you reaching for what's coming from the soil or what's coming from the vine? From, like, <laughs> this metaphor breaks down. But are you connected to God, abiding in God's love, abiding in God's love? Um, and then there's this story that I got from uh, the pastor of a friend's church 
pastor of a friend's church in Oregon who went to visit uh, some friends on the mission field in Kenya. And he came back and said, the Kenyan believers can sing a simple line like, thank you, Jesus, over and over and over with nonstop hand clapping throughout. This is my experience in such prolonged worship, prolonged worship singing of a simple repetitive song. By the 10th time, not this song again. 20 times, how long, oh Lord. 30 times, we've got to be almost done. 40 times, I'm starting to get into it. 50 times, I hope it never ends. This is the power of habit message. This is the what are you soaking in message. This is the, um, what's the thing that you repeat to yourself to get through the day? And is it Jesus saying, abide in my love, abide in my love, and act from there, live from there? No matter kind of how you would start that sentence, I, I, I thought, like, what about, um, you know, this, this week, I've got this sermon, God, I've got a deadline, abide in my love, but I'm busy, abide in my love, but I'm tired, abide in my love but I'm lonely, abide in my love. This deadline, I got this diagnosis, abide in my love. I need a job, abide in my love. I need a raise, abide in my love. I don't know what to do, abide in my love. I don't know what to say, abide in my love. I don't know if you're there, abide in my love. Fill in the blank, wherever you might be. I'm doing all right, God, abide in my love. extra shout out to Brian for preaching sermons through songs before we even get to this part. Singing your praise will ever be on my lips. This morning I was, I was weeping for this is it. This is the, the thing I want to soak in. And I'll sing it 50 times if it takes 50 times for me to go. I hope it never ends. For me to hear God say abide in my love, maybe I need to say it 50 times. And keep throwing things at God and keep hearing God say, abide in my love. So wherever you are this week, um, whatever you have facing you, Christ isn't inviting us to drum up love or fruit, but to just let the fruit and love come through us, receiving it from God participating in the fruit that will happen through us, whether or not we even know it. So I invite the worship team back up and show you, give you these questions for your own reflection. And if you want to include the responses on your connection card, that's legit. If you want to just like take a picture of the screen and think about it this week, pray over these things this week, um, it's up to you. But these would be helpful. What practices and routines currently form you? What's the first thing you think about in the morning and the last thing you think about at night? Or another tack, what is it like for you to receive God's love? All my life I've known I wanted to serve God. And I'm 37 now and I'm just now getting used to the idea of God loving me. Even though I've 
That's where it started. I remember being three and singing Jesus Loves Me. And then being six and being terrified because I couldn't remember praying to accept Jesus into my heart. Maybe I didn't measure up. But I have this memory of singing Jesus Loves Me. What's it like for you to receive God's love? And third, what word or phrase would be helpful to repeat and revisit throughout your next few days or weeks? Or what song might you play on repeat? I wrote Abide in My Love on my wrist in Greek so it doesn't look too weird. I mean, it's weird enough. But that's also why I have tattoos. <laughs> that's why I, I tell, so I see this over and over. So I think about it over and over, so I'm reminded over and over. That's why I have this message on this bracelet. So I have it in front of me over and over. What might be helpful for you to repeat or revisit? So with that, let's pray. God, thank you for your love. I pray that we would be open to it. I pray that we would throw some bars and gates open and in faith say you have a lot to offer us and not I get this idea that you've been trying to give us a lot of love and that we don't know how to receive it God would you open us up would you give us the faith to receive all that you have so that we can flow to the world around us, the people in our circles, the people in our neighborhood. May we get that, that you have more than enough for us, for each other, for everyone else. It'll never run dry. May we get that. And even if we don't get it, can we like bank on it and act on it? You know what we need, and you're dying to bless us. Would you help us to receive it this week, God? In your name, amen.